Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today, you know, rather than me do the introduction as I've done in episodes before, I thought, why don't we have our guest self-identify and introduce himself today. I'll give you his name, John Schnur. I'll tell you what he does. He's the co-founder and executive chairman of America Achieves, but who really is John Schnur? Tonight, he's talking at Harvard at an Ask With Forum, talking about President Obama's ed policy agenda, and he's giving, quote, a rare personal window into this policy, but we want a rare personal window into you, John. Well, Matt, great to be with you, and great to be with everybody who's um, listening to this. Uh, not surprisingly at Harvard, the first thing I'm getting here is a cold call. <laughs> It's <laughs> yeah. not the business school, but we, we picked up some of their tactics. <laughs> Oriented toward an educational purpose and mission, which is very appropriate. But no, it's great to be here. And um, look, I'm thrilled to be here. And I'm uh, thrilled to be here in part because um, I, uh, I care deeply, deeply, deeply about education. Um, I'm a parent. Uh, I've got a seven-year-old son, five-year-old daughter, and a three-year-old son and very focused, they go to public schools um, in Montclair, New Jersey, where I live, and I'm very focused on how they and their classmates can really get the kind of education that will unlock opportunities for them and their life choices that they will make over time. And I've been at work in education for over two decades, um, really focusing on what we can learn from some of the most successful practices in classrooms and schools across the country and the world, and looking at what are the implications for how we take that to a larger scale to serve uh, kids at really um, national scale, um, particularly those kids from low-income communities who've been underserved. And so I've sort of been a connector, I would say, of practice and policy and change. What can we le lessons can we learn that will then shape what we do at large scale to help kids in desperate need and deserving a great education get the great education they need. This is a bug you sort of picked up when you were at Princeton. Is this a, you wanted education to be your sort of life's calling your whole life? Was there a watershed moment where you decided this is how I want to devote my life? Um, uh, did you catch the same sort of disease Wendy Kopp did there? Or it's like, hey, this is, this is education. I'm passionate about it. Uh, or was it when you came to Harvard? I think I, I grew up um, with education and around educators. My mom um, co-founded in Milwaukee, where I grew up, the first um, racially integrated preschool uh, in Milwaukee. I, I attended that preschool. Um, she um, co-founded the first children's museum uh, in Milwaukee and one of the early children's museums in the country. So being around my mom and that effort, I think, probably influenced me. Uh, a key watershed moment for me was in high school. I went to Shorewood Public High School public high school just outside Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, I was sports editor of our high school newspaper, and I had a, a freshman student who I had spoken to who was brilliant, insightful, who wanted to write an article for our paper. I thought she was great. I said, submit a, an article. She submitted it, and the other editors and I looked at it, and the writing was really terrible. Um, other editors laughed. How could, John, you thought that someone like this, in quotes, could write an article for us and for our newspaper? The girl had gone to the Milwaukee Public Schools through eighth grade. She was brilliant. She had never learned how to write effectively, to construct a good essay with the main idea, with the supporting points, to express her perspective. Her brilliance was not being channeled. I saw it being laughed at. I thought, how could somebody this insightful not have learned how to write? And that led me to um, start a series of articles on the Milwaukee Public Schools as a high school senior. I spent time visiting the schools and observing and writing stories about the so-called reforms that really were not adding up to anything in terms of improvement for kids, and that kind of set me on a lifelong quest to figure out what could I do about this in order to really change outcomes for kids like this student who 
couldn't channel her brilliance into an article for our newspaper. Obviously, you're, you're incredibly entrepreneurial and seeing a problem and then wanting to start something to sort of change that problem or fix that problem. Talk about your experiences over your career of starting organizations and how they've integrated into the Ed Reform Movement. So I, it's um, a good question. Um, I guess I don't think about it that way. I just think about where I see um, problems and opportunities, how to take action on those. And I think sometimes people can spend time wishing that something were different uh, or advocating that something's different. And I guess I just kind of grew up with an orientation of not wishing or advocating, but just making something different. Um, I also learned early that one person rarely can solve a problem. You have to do it with others. You have to figure out what the right way to, um, and this is ch change is a team sport. So how do you work with others in order to make change? And so I just, when I see a problem, I was like, what can I do along with the right others to solve that? And whether that was, um, you know, founding new leaders, given that I saw basically the best schools had excellent principles, but nobody was taking that insight to scale. Or when Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans, uh, my wife um, is from New Orleans, um, and I was in Louisiana while the water was still on the ground to help figure out what could be done kind of post-Katrina on education. Or, um, you know, now with my policy experience or now with America Achieves, I guess I've just tried to, when I see problems, figure out how I can contribute to solving those with the right people, often who have more expertise than I do, but how with the right teams to, uh, to make change happen. I think what's super interesting about your experience is, is your collaborations with policy and government. Talk about how, whether it's frustrating or slow or transformative that to be part of, uh, to have the ear of major reformers and, and folks in government who can make this, you know, broad sweeping change, and then your sort of experiences when that does or does not happen. So I, um, I, I haven't, part of my career, I guess, has been spent in government and advising um, presidents um, and secretaries of education on education, but that really hasn't wasn't my goal, and it's actually not how I'm spending most of my time. I think that I was looking for opportunities to make change happen, and sometimes when you see things working or not working at the classroom and school level, it leads you to uh, sometimes, not always, to a government or policy solution. Um, and I look to make those connections. So I, you know, an example, um, and I had founded New Leaders for New Schools in 2000 when I was here um, with a team of students from the education school and the business school, uh, with great advising from faculty members and great, by the way, advising from students. When I was back, I was here back in 2000, we did a project with um, citizen schools. We worked with fourth grade students at a Boston public school. And those fourth graders played an integral role, it turned out, in creating new leaders um, in a research project that I could, could talk to you about. Um, but we created it and then two, three years in, we were four years in, we were in Chicago, one of our primary um, sites. And we wanted to connect policymakers to what was being learned. So we invited, at that point, um, Barack Obama to uh, roundtables with our principals who were learning lessons about what it took to improve schools. And that created a, a relationship with him. Um, and his piqued his interest in learning more along with other things he was doing and then created opportunities for me to continue to translate out that practice into advising him as U.S. Senator and then as presidential candidate and then as president. Fantastic. I, I'm really, I'm, I'm really curious to focus on President Obama now, uh, and to see, having known him as a senator, and then now seeing him as a first-term, now second-term president. 
How has his understanding and vision for ed policy changed? I know this is going to be a little bit about what you're talking about tonight at the Ask With Forum. Um, how has he evolved as someone who cares about education reform, and how has Arnie Duncan's sort of vision factored into that coming from Chicago? Uh, you know, what's what's the skinny on pre on the president? You know, one of the when I first met um, Senator Obama, um, I was so impressed with the depth of conviction that he had about the need for much better education um, in this country and for low-income kids um, in particular. Uh, and I think he had lived it. Um, as he's often said, he and Michelle Obama wouldn't be who they are without the education they received. And then in Chicago, including as a community organizer and then as a civic leader in Chicago, saw um, kids like him whose futures were being enabled or shut off in part by the quality of education they got. And it just felt like from the first time I met him, this was in his bones. And he um, wanted to understand, I also loved his curiosity from the beginning, where he really wanted to understand really what was working, and it wasn't. So at one point when he was senator, he said, look, it'd be good to go visit some schools that now are at the cutting edge of getting success. And there were some Chicago public schools that we recommended that he go to, and others recommended he go to. And he also said, I don't want to just go to the showcase success schools. I want to go to the, see the schools that are not serving our kids and understand what's happening there too. Um, so I think that just conviction and curiosity led him to um, come up, you know, um, a learning curve over time about what policy could do to drive educational change. And then as U.S. Senator, um, it's worth, you know, people often sort of focus on what he started doing in the presidential campaign and as president, but he actually introduced a, a bill as a U.S. Senator. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. I think it was called the Innovation Zone, basically, on how you could help create innovation and excellent zones in urban and rural education. That was a bill he introduced in the Senate, which really had a lot of the um, um, precursor ideas that became a big part of his education agenda. Um, and I think he really was great about it. One of the things that I saw during the, or before and during the campaign, one of the things I love about the president, is he really loved listening to people with different points of view. He said, look, we're all in this together. Let's have discussions, let's have debate, let's have different points of view and figure out what makes sense. And you know, sometimes you have a leader who only wants to hear one side. He likes to hear different sides. And I think that informed his views. So by the time he was a candidate, he was really articulating a, a really strong agenda, prioritizing education, um, much higher expectations for our kids, a focus on how to support really high quality teaching um, and school leadership in the country, passionate focus on early learning, on how do we help our kids, especially low-income kids, get the right start. Um, before school, focus on college. And he understood also, I think, as a leader and as a citizen, that education was about kids and young people. It wasn't about institutions. So he wasn't just saying, how do we solve our pre-K problem or our K-12 problem or college problem? He was looking at, what do we do to advance opportunities for real individual kids at large scale? Holistically, yeah. Uh, so he's reelected, and he has four more years to be bold. Uh, what does it take to be bold in education these days? Well, I think that I'll start with your last question. What it takes to be bold um, is a willingness to focus on education in a big way, um, uh, which might seem like an obvious point, but it's not always the case. Um, and just a quick story on that um, in terms of the president. Um, during the transition, presidential transition, last time, uh, in late 08, early 09, we were in the middle of you know, the biggest economic crisis since the Great Depression in the US. Um, by the time he between the time he got elected and was inaugurated, I can't remember the exact number, but I think we lost, lost a million, million and a half jobs in that period. And he was crafting an economic stimulus package uh, that the Congress had to pass in order to really prevent a second depression. 
And the president was very clear and said, we not only have to avert catastrophe, we've got to invest in our fundamental building blocks to ensure the long-term success of our economy and of our people. And he pressed on that and said, so I want to know, <clears throat> what can we do in education? What can we do in energy investments? And so it was his leadership that then led us to have an opportunity to say, all right, here are some of the ideas you could advance. And that led him to propose to Congress that $100 billion of that trillion dollar stimulus proposal would go to education. And nobody in either party had been thinking that. People were flabbergasted that he would suggest that that much of a stimulus package would go to education. But he did, and it was his leadership that then allowed um, hundreds of thousands of teaching jobs to be, uh, job losses to be averted, that invested more in Head Start, that invested in reforms through Race to the Top, the Invest Innovation Fund. But that focus, even in those times, I think is key. And so I think focusing on education, he's done that. I think secondly, you got to look at the evidence about what works. I think third, you got to be willing to work with people across the spectrum um, um, and see education not as a political thing, but as something that we can pragmatically work together on. And I think you got to stay stay with it and stick with it for the long term because educational change doesn't happen in a day. I think he's got those things. He's done a lot in his first term. Second term, <clears throat> he's going to build on those, and he's going to he's calling for some really sweeping efforts to. Um, I think he was probably disappointed that the Congress didn't act more on his early learning agenda in the first term. So he's calling for a pretty sweeping change to give our young kids access to success um, uh, for preparation for kindergarten, more on the college front, and more continue to build on some of the reforms and lessons learned in K-12 from the first term. John, if people want to follow some of what you're doing through America Achieves and your work, where can they go? So I'd love you. I haven't talked about America Achieves much yet, but we're a nonprofit that's devoted to taking lessons learned from successful classrooms and schools and creating opportunities for those lessons learned to shape um, educational policy and systems change at scale. Uh, I'd love for people to go to our website. It's www.americaachieves.org. It's www.americaachieves.org. And you'll learn about our organization and include some highlighting of really successful practices. One thing interesting on our site right now is looking at great teachers highlighting what a shift in instruction looks like toward this new common core of standards and assessments that are available for other teachers, but also for the public to see. And we'd love people to look at it and give us feedback on that site. John, last question, probably the least important of all of them. As a, as a guy myself, uh, whose both parents went to Marquette, and I was born in the Bayview area. I did not know T that. Tell me this, but <laughs> another, John. Another Badger. That's another right. Another cheesehead. Are you a Culver's, <laughs> Cops, or uh, Leon's frozen custard type of guy? So uh, I have to tell you, I am a huge Cops fan. From the time I was a young kid <clears throat> until now, um, people have not been to Milwaukee. You should go to all the places, Matt, you just said. They're all great. But if I had to say, go for frozen custard and cheeseburgers and french fries at Cops I'm in, a Leon, in, in I'm Milwaukee. A, I'm a Leon's guy on 27th <laughs> Street, but I won't hold that against you. John Schnur. Leon's is a strong number two. People ought to go to both. Co-founder and executive chairman of America Achieves and uh, shareholder in Cops, myself and Leon's. This has been the Harvard EdCast. Thank you, John Schnur, for coming along. By the way, for Wisconsinites, uh, go Packers for next year. <laughs> thank you. Thank I'm, a, I'm a Patriots fan now, unfortunately, <laughs> so I can't endorse that either, John. But uh, regardless, you've been a delight to be on the show. Cops, the Packers, we might disagree, but we can agree on is there's nothing more important than a great education. I agree. Child. Go Ed School. This is the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.